WP Talk, the Wealth Professional Podcast. Mackenzie's sustainable fixed income, powered by forward-thinking experts and an innovative ESG model, can help you diversify portfolios and make a real impact. Visit mackenzieinvestments.com forward slash innovation to learn more. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees and expenses all may be associated with investment funds. Please read the prospectus before investing. Investment funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Hello everyone and welcome to this latest WP feature. My name is James Burton, Managing Editor of Wealth Professional Canada. Today I'm delighted to welcome Andrew Simpson, Head of McKenzie's Better World Investment Team. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, James. I'm pleased to be here today. Excellent. Now, just as a little prelude, ESG obviously remains one of the hot topics in the investment world, and especially as the net zero movement has, has gathered momentum Um, and more focus is put on the Paris Agreement. Andrew recently contributed to the McKenzie Earth Day study and along with his team advocates for advancements in sustainability and is passionate about investing in companies that make a positive impact on our planet. So with that in mind, Andrew, I will hand uh, hand over to you in a way, but explain a bit if you can about the McKenzie sustainability platform and how the Better World team fits within that. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, James. Um, So what attracted me to building the Better World team with McKenzie is is the commitment they're making to sustainability. So we have built um, a platform, I think, that offers investors a a broad spectrum of uh, sustainable alternatives, whether that's core, thematic, um, green bonds with fixed income. We we offer a broad spectrum. the Better World team comes in as a, as a core offering there. And what I am uh, really attracted to here is, is the depth of support. We have a sustainability center of excellence at McKenzie that really does a great job of uh, supporting the teams, um, growing our ESG expertise and, and providing resources. And so, so I think um, from that perspective, the, the culture of sustainability is pretty well entrenched. Um, the organization is continuing along this process of integrating responsible practices across all their mandates, whether they're ESG focused like ours or traditional uh, boutiques as well. Um, And and so I think it gives a a good lineup and an opportunity for an investor to be well diversified, um, but keeping sustainability front of mind. Now, Andrew, the, the Better World team is a relatively new um, addition to the McKenzie platform, uh, and you've been brought in, in to head that up relatively recently. So give me a flavor, if you wouldn't mind, of, of the objectives and the ambitions you have for your team. Yeah, that's a great point, James. And yeah, I'm very pleased to, to give a sense of what we're trying to achieve here, because our mission is to enable investors to meet their financial objectives while aligning their investments to a sustainable future. So, you know, we, we do this by managing Canadian and global uh, mandates, prioritizing and in investing in companies with progressive ESG practices and behaviors. Um, so the, the Better World team is really uh, guided by the belief that the way we treat the planet and the communities we operate in will determine their future profitability. Um, and, and so for us to uncover 
sustainability leaders um, in our investment process, we lead it with ESG analysis. It's, it's not a bolt-on step for us. So it's, it's fully integrated aspect of our security selection. And I think that's a, that's a key differentiator for, for the team um, out there in the industry. Yeah, okay. How with, you know, I mentioned earlier the Paris Agreement and net zero, and there's, there's other avenues, obviously, um, within, within sustainability, but how do you analyze stock through that ESG, GSG lens? Maybe give me a flavor of your, your process. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think what I do is probably describe our process as applying a stakeholder lens to an ESG framework. So I'll break that down for our better world approach into the why and, and, and the how. So I describe the why as applying a stakeholder lens being critical to uh, differentiating companies today who demonstrate progressive ESG practices and behaviors. So when we're looking at companies, we're actually identifying six primary stakeholders who have a vested interest in how a company performs. Uh, to us, that's the communities that they operate in, the, the, the customers that they serve with products and services. It's the employees who provide that uh, talent to, to deliver to their customers. And importantly, you've got the environment today. That's, that's a huge topic. And to me, that's a, that's a key stakeholder. And then you've got suppliers. Now, those are five stakeholders that most people don't think about. Most people just think of the shareholder as being the primary stakeholder. So we're taking a broader view to this. And, and the reason is because stakeholders have a, a vested interest in how companies interact with them. And, and so in our view, if a company can successfully balance the interest of stakeholders, it can uh, better capture opportunity to build competitive advantage and grow economic value. So that's, that's kind of the why. Um, of our, our ESG lens, um, the how we do it, um, and, and this is what we're doing every day, is, is we, we actually have four stages of generating impact. And this is how we explain to investors, we avoid, assess, analyze, and advocate. And just to give you a bit of description what that means for us, it's, it's avoiding companies operating under controversy or generating revenue from business lines that we think are unsustainable. Um, and then we want to focus on positives. So we want to assess a company's ability to create positive impact through products and services. So we're looking for companies that can really deliver, um, you know, financially inclusive products, socially diverse products and services, environmentally sustainable products and services. So that's looking for the leaders in any particular industry. Um, and then we want to apply traditional financial fundamentals fundamental metrics to our process here. So that's analyze. And so here we want to validate the core growth, growth drivers. We've identified a company we think is a sustainability leader. Um, we also want to make sure that they are getting recognized for the work they're doing and that they have that competitive advantage and their valuation supports growth in the future. And finally, uh, the fourth A for us is advocate. And, and that's regarding uh, looking at shareholder engagement. We think that's a really important part of having a portfolio that generates positive impact over time. So we want to maintain a dialogue with management teams of the companies we own to manage ESG risks and also to deliver positive impact to their stakeholders. Um, if you look at risk and opportunity and uh, you have that dialogue with companies, I think we have an opportunity to, to improve things overall. Yeah, okay. As you, were, as you were chatting there, Andrew, it occurred to me, I wondered now, you know, has, has um, ESG and your approach kind of 
has it officially gone mainstream now? And you know, I wonder sort of the da- the dangers of of someone not having this in their portfolio or not taking this type of approach to building their portfolio. Yeah, I, I think um, when your ESG has definitely grown in interest, um, and and we've certainly have way more competitors than than I had over ten years ago when when we uh, started our. Uh, process with our team. So we've been at this for a while, um, but we do, I think what you've highlighted is a great point. There's there's risk and opportunity um, because a lot of the ESG risks that are out there in our view are not necessarily reflected in traditional financial statements. And, and so, you know, the, the point here is if a risk is not addressed, um, it can actually evolve into a financial liability that could uh, negatively impact shareholder return. So, so what we want to do here is, is analyze ESG factors uh, to reduce portfolio downside through mis- risk mitigation. So we want to um, analyze ESG factors to help reduce portfolio downside through mis- risk mitigation. It, you know, so if our research uh, uncovers any red flags about a company, we can then meet as a team and collaborate to either avoid investing in that company or, or use it as an opportunity to engage with them uh, to, to help, uh, in our view, course correct and, and to uh, uh, change this risk into an opportunity. So I, I think that's really key. And, and, it, and I think that is uh, what I would say a key differentiator, um, because if you have to get in there and do the work uh, to, to generate the value. And, and one of the things that we talk about is you can't just rely on a third party score. You have to have to do the research yourself. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, you, you alluded to, alluded to it there with, you know, shareholder returns and it's, it's the, it's the age old question, I guess, you know, um, ESG and returns. Are you, are you helping your portfolio? Are you compromising where do you stand on that argument? What what would you say to me if I was if I came to you as a maybe slightly skeptical advisor or investor and it was like, well, am I going to have to compromise on my yearly returns if I do good? Yeah, no, it, it, it's a great question, and I think um, I, I'm going to call it a, a myth busting opportunity because the Responsible Investment Association, for example, in Canada, has done a lot of work on this, uh, comparing. Uh, uh, sustainable characterized funds against traditional funds in, in various asset classes and categories. And we've actually seen that uh, sustainable funds ha- have outperformed their, their category peers over time. And, and one of the reasons I think that has happened is, is because of that risk mitigation stage. So if you have two companies producing widgets, if one can produce it uh, with lower emissions or with, um, for example, treating their employees better, you're going to have greater productivity out of your employees and you're going to have customers who are going to be using their wallet to decide who is the better company. So um, from our perspective, uh, ESG is a way to add value. It's not a detractor to performance. Yeah. Okay. Now, again, you mentioned before, you just sort of backpedaling slightly. You talked about engaging with companies, you know, being, being active essentially. Give me a little flavor if you can about how that works, because I know a lot of investors that might appeal to a lot more investors than maybe, you know, just the sort of ESG platitudes. If they know someone is actually going into the boardroom or speaking to the companies um, and actually kind of forcing change. 
Yeah, it, I think it's an important aspect uh, to a sustainable portfolio. So uh, for the Better World team, we actually do all of our activities in-house. We're not outsourcing this work. Uh, and we do believe direct communication between management teams and our portfolio is a better way to build a relationship and manage those ESG risks more effectively. So there's really three key principles to our engagement strategy. It's, it's firstly voicing your values here, because as a shareholder, you have a right to advocate for issues. And so the Better World team takes that, um, that values right and, and actually uh, applies that uh, quite diligently across our portfolio. Um, we, we set up every year an annual stewardship plan, like what are the key issues that we want to address with our broader companies. That's kind of our strategic focus for the year. So that's the first one, voice our values. The, the second is manage risk. And we, we've talked about that a little bit, but I think it's key. You want to protect company value from a existing and emerging ESG risks. And, and so having your own proprietary process can, can identify that and, um, and working with the management teams, uh, I think allows for a, a quicker resolution. And, and lastly, it, it's the positives that, and we call that impact. So we wanna encourage companies actually to align with uh, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. We think that's an excellent way to measure how a company is, is contributing to better society overall. And, and it leads to, um, we think, better sustainable growth and, and innovation uh, that improves quality of life. So the sustainable development goals um, for us um, are, I think, are a great opportunity to have a common language between investors and, and management teams uh, looking at, at, at broader goals. The United Nations established these goals back in 2015, uh, 17 goals to, to improve uh, quality of life overall, whether that's in environment, peace, and justice. Um, we use those as the, as the benchmark, and, and, and we measure our companies and how they contribute to that. Yeah, okay. Excellent. Now, the next thing I want to ask you about is, I mean, greenwashing is, is, a, is, is a catchy term, but it's, it's one that um, has been in the news a lot recently, and it's something that you know, a lot of people are on guard about. But how, how do you view that as an issue for the industry? And I guess, how do you make sure that you don't fall victim to it with your products? Yeah, I think let's start off with a bit of a definition here on this, James. Because so I would I would explain greenwashing as an attempt to you know capitalize on the on the growing demand for environmentally sound products. Um, and so you know, greenwashing can convey a false impression to right. a consumer. And, um, you know, to really promote something that's maybe not particularly environmentally sound or not, it's not being backed up. Um, the, so the, the claims or the facts aren't, aren't quite there. So for the Better World team, um, you know, for us, actually, it's a great opportunity because this is really what differentiates us. Uh, we're, our sustainable investing process clearly dictates how we, we apply um, our, our ESG focus, and, and it really uh, differentiates us as not being uh, at risk of greenwashing. Uh, when you look at our team, for example, uh, we have a, a commitment of resources that 50% of our team is, is focused to fundamental analysis, and actually 50% of the team is focused to ESG analysis and stewardship. And that's pretty unique in the industry, in my view. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we don't rely on a third-party score here. We're, we're doing a, a, an ESG workup on every company that we're looking at. And, and our sustainable investment policy 
that we have in place for the team. Uh, you know, it, we conduct a deep dive into companies' qualitative and quantitative ESG performance using our stakeholder lens across 30 key indicators. So very in-depth. Um, and and I, I think what's what's also important to, to, to mention here too on, on, on the aspect of greenwashing is there's going to be more regulation coming in and, and um, we can talk about that further as well because uh, I, I, we're actually I I encouraged by this. Um, you know, in January 2022, the Canadian Securities Administrators published guidance for investment funds on their disclosure practices around ESG. Um, we're seeing uh, the SEC in the U.S. also create a, a climate and ESG task force, and, and that's specifically developed to proactively identify uh, ESG-related misconduct. So um, you can't just put socially responsible in your fund name and, and be in the category anymore, and, that, and that's actually really encouraging. I think we're going to actually see uh, a bit of a bifurcation here, and uh, we feel we're on the right side of that. Yeah, that's, the regulation is, is an interesting um, development, right, Andrew? I mean, obviously, do you hope that it will build trust with investors now that they can be, feel a bit more confident about these products? What do you think will be the impact of more regulation? I, I, I do think trust is, is a very important factor. Um, you know, an, another um, important factor is, is going to be, I think, um, transparency. Um, so you're going to have a bit more, I think, harmonization of, of inf information. Right now, um, you have companies doing corporate social responsibility reports. And, and there's many cases where you have investors looking at things a little differently than the company is. So uh, I, I think having some, some uniformity to what are the material ESG factors that a, a company should have in a particular industry. Um, you know, those types of, of uh, initiatives, as well as the idea of making sure uh, mislabeling is not occurring, um, you put those two together, I think that gives investors a lot more confidence, um, because ultimately investors, they, they want to achieve their, their long-term financial goals. We believe they can achieve them by aligning their investment portfolios towards a sustainable future. So you want to make sure the fund you're investing in is, is, is truly doing the work there. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, this might answer some of my next question, what you've just said here, but what, what in your mind is the next sort of stage of the ESG evolution? Obviously, you've got regulation. Um, what, what else do you see as sort of the next step or, or coming down the pipe, if you like? Yeah, yeah. So, just, you know, just to, to build on that idea of, of data harmonization. So I, I definitely greenwashing is, 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 a, is a, excuse me, the regulation against greenwashing is, yeah. is where we see the next evolution. Also, that harmonization of, of reporting, I think, is going to be really important because, um, you know, right now, nothing is really mandatory on what to report. And, and uh, so, for example, Mackenzie's joined the Asset Manager Net Zero Alliance. And so we have um, an obligation to, to engage with our highest emitters in our portfolios over time as we're all trying to achieve uh, net zero commitments um, out to 2050. And, and so, you, you know, you want to have the, the, the data that uh, is, is uniform to make, make investment decisions and, and engage with companies, for example. So, so if we kind of take a step back, I think, you know, if investors are looking forward, they, they want to better understand the ultimate risks in their portfolios. 
And, and I do think there is societal pressure, um, these government mandates and, and shareholder activism, you put all that together, it's really going to help uh, create a more uh, transparent, sustainable investing environment. Yeah, okay. What about for, for your team, for, for Better World? Is what, what's, uh, what's up for you next? What's, 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 what are you working on and, and what's top of mind? Well, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about uh, shareholder engagement. So I think that's what I'm going to focus on here to just to give you like a flavor of what kind of priorities that we look for in our portfolio, because you can have strategic initiatives for us uh, right now. It's uh, diversity, equity, inclusion uh, is, is the first one that I would touch on. So, you know, diverse leadership uh, improves company returns. That's That's been a proven fact. And, and we want to address the gap in racial and gender equity that remains in the workplace. So, so we're engaging with companies um, on uh, management and board diversity and racial disclosure. Um, you know, the companies are facing re regulatory and legal and reputational risks from this aspect. And so we want to make sure companies are aware of it and are in, in front of it and, and, and moving forward. So, so diversity is important to us. Uh, another strategic initiative on engagement for us is, is related to uh, the, the global green energy transition. So for us as a, as a fund, we're actually a fossil fuel free fund, but we are focusing on uh, banks and the environments. We want to be discussing with our financial services uh, investments, the you know, environmentally sensitive lending, for example, fossil fuel project financing and accountability for uh, companies um, and their net zero climate commitments. Because um, I think that's really important. A lot of commitments have been put out there in the public. Uh, as investors, we want to make sure progress is being made towards achieving those. And so, so shareholder engagement is a great way to do that. Um, so that, those are just a couple examples of what, what the team is, is, is busy working on um, and, uh, and, and continuing to uh, monitor our portfolio for, for risks and opportunity. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Andrew. I'm going to ask you the, the million dollar question. Um, Paris Agreement. Net zero. Do you think we we can get there by the date says twenty fifty, right? It, yeah, it, I, it is the, <laughs> it is the question, and we can't even say million dollar question now. We've got to say <laughs> tr trillion dollar question. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, undersold it there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because um, you know uh, a recent study came out that um, you know. Uh, what we're looking at now, uh, and this is really coming into that risk and opportunity side of things, we have a, a $275 trillion of capital spending on physical assets required to yeah. achieve a net zero transition by 2050. So that's that's humongous. And so that that is going to create opportunities for industries. Um, you know, what, what we've done, and we mentioned fossil fuel free, is we want to reallocate that capital towards uh, decarbonization of the power grid, for example, uh, reduce the carbon in, in terms of transportation. So we're looking for, for opportunities in our portfolio that from that perspective, um, the IPCC's assessment uh, to get to that 1.5 degree pathway, um, you know, it, it's challenging. And, and, and they do say that, uh, you know, that uh, low carbon energy needs need a, a 6x increase um, in, in investment to meet that pathway. So we're, we're, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, geopolitical events, I think, have, have unfortunately slowed down uh, the process with uh, Russia and Ukraine and, and the energy demands that are being placed on Europe. Uh, but I, I do think that there's some really encouraging um, you know, government mandates out there that are going to help promote this transition. And, um, 
we, our focus as a core manager is, is looking for the companies that, that can capture these opportunities in a, in a profitable manner. Yeah, okay. I like your optimism, Andrew. I'm, I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Excellent. Um, that's fantastic. That wraps up uh, another WP feature. Thank you, Andrew, for joining me, and, and thanks for your insights. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. You can, you can find more information on McKenzie Investments at mckenzieinvestments.com. And if you go to the R Products drop-down menu and then click on the Sustainable Investing option, that takes you to Andrew's page and the Better World um, team page. Don't forget also to check wealthprofessional.ca for all the latest news and views on the industry. And if you haven't already, please sign up to our daily newsletter. I'm James Burton. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of WP Talk. That was a really enjoyable chat about the real estate space. For more WP Talk episodes, go to wealthprofessional.ca, click on the resources tab and select WP Talk. The site also includes all the latest news and views from the industry. And if you haven't already, please feel free to sign up to our daily newsletter. I'm James Burton. Until next time.